plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jets. This is John B. from GangreenNation.com. Thanks for tuning in on this podcast for the 15th day of March, the year 2017. If you enjoy this show, you can, you can subscribe to it using the weapon of your choice, provided the weapon of your choice is either iTunes or Audio Boom. If you subscribe on either one of those, we'll uh, send the show to your device each day. Makes for easy listening, so you can take us with you on the go. If you really enjoy this show, consider giving it a good rating. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. It certainly helps us out. Free agency rolls on right now for the Jets. Uh, Dante Hightower is still in play. The Jets have a lot of reported interest in him. Multiple reports, both from uh, Jason Lockenfora and ESPN, indicate the Jets are making Hightower a big offer, yet there's quite a bit of pessimism. doesn't sound like the Jets believe Hightower wants to come to the team. And, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, as much as we all love the Jets, it's tough to blame him for uh, not wanting to go from a team where he's won the champion. He's won a championship two out of the last three years to a team at the bottom of the league where, quite frankly, things might get worse before they get better. That's just the way it is. I mean, Hightower was drafted by the Patriots. That team has been at least in the AFC Championship game every year since he got to New England, at least. Uh, and then the Jets are coming off a five-win season, and the outlook does not look a whole lot better this year. Uh, Jason Lockenfora says that the Jets actually have the most money on the table, but he doesn't seem inclined, inclined to take it. And then another report from uh, ESPN that Hightower uh, is seeking $12 million a year. And that's uh, that's a lot of money because that's that's Luke Keekley money. And I think this brings you to the, the dilemma about Hightower is, you know, there's another report that the Patriots are around $10 million a year. So the Jets are offering, you know, $12, $13 million, that range. Then we're talking about a 20 to 30% premium. And there's lots of talk about how, the reason the Patriots are good is because the Patriots are disciplined and they never overspend. Of course, the flip side to that is the Patriots don't have to overspend to keep their guys because they're the Patriots and they can find other players. They already have good players, whereas the Jets need to overspend because they're not as good. And they have to find ways to convince good players to come to the team because they don't have as much to offer. They don't offer a team with a team that's a winner right now or a team with a tradition of winning. So you're kind of trying to turn things around on the fly it's a tougher sell so you kind of have to compensate with more money and i think this is kind of the dilemma the jets are in are, are they going to have to eventually overpay if they want high tower well if we get to the 12 13 million dollar range it gets kind of tricky because as i've said in recent podcasts high tower is a really good linebacker i think he's, he was a blue chip type linebacker and the jets are lacking in blue chip talent. So can you say that they're totally wrong if they decide to 
pay him like that? Well, I don't know. I don't know that you can totally destroy the decision. On the other hand, though, if we're talking Luke Keekley salary range, well, that's not just, I want you to be a good player. That means that you're kind of the driving force in this defense. It's one thing to pay a guy a lot of money to play at a high level, but at a certain threshold, you become, this is the guy we're building the defense around. And it's not just necessarily the level of play. It's also about the way you way your defense is schemed. Now, Keekley down in Carolina, that defense is built around his ability and also some of his fellow linebackers because he just covers so much ground that that's one of the reasons you never see you seldom see the Panthers spending big to get corners is that he covers so much of that middle of the field that the cornerbacks have to cover less of it. So you can find a guy, you don't need a guy who covers a lot of ground. You can find a guy who doesn't cover a lot of ground and those guys are cheaper and saves you money. Now, the inside linebacker, the linebacker position, you know, the non-pass rushing linebacker, the guy you're not going to stick on the edge, that guy comes for less money. So if you can build your defense around that guy, then you have a cornerstone guy for less money than a typical guy who makes corner if you run a system where a corner is important. That, then you say, you know, you save a little money for your less important positions and you can upgrade those, you can upgrade other spots on the roster. So it makes some degree of sense, but I'm not sure that that's the defense the Jets want to run. I'm not sure the Jets want to run a defense based around Hightower. So it's kind of a, it's a situation where there are there would be pros and there would be cons. But So I, I don't think you can say it would be a great move. I don't think you can immediately say it would be a terrible move, although there's cer- you certainly could see the risk in it. There certainly would be a great deal of risk signing a player to high, like Hightower to deal around 12 or 13 million and I think we're reaching we're near the point if we're not already there at 12 or 13 million where you might have hit your threshold for just how much this player is worth to the Jets so plenty of plenty to play out here I think ultimately what it comes down to is that Hightower wants to go back to New England but the Pats aren't willing to pay him the money he wants and that's one of the things you'll you see in the NFL during free agency is There'll be a player who's out there, he's waiting, and there are all these rumors swirling around about him, and there are multiple teams, and there never seems to be any movement. Well, I think agents will tell you that more often than not, what that means is that the money is not there from the place, from the team that that guy actually wants to go to, and I think that's what's happening right now. And at some point, Hightower may have to make a decision whether he wants to take less money to return to New England or take more money and go to what, frankly, is, again, a less attractive situation with the Jets. I'm not trying to hate on the Jets. That's just the fact of the situation right now. So certainly keep our eyes on that one. Now, we've got some feedback to yesterday's show. I certainly appreciate it. Really enjoy hearing what you guys have to say. When you agree with me, that's great. When you disagree with me, that's great. And there were a lot of questions about my comments regarding quarterbacks. Uh, I mentioned on yesterday's show, if you missed it, well, if you missed it, you should go back and listen to it because we certainly appreciate all the listens we get. But the thing I said was a guy like Jay Cutler doesn't make a lot of sense to me because Cutler's the kind of guy, if if you have the team like the Jets had in 2015 or you thought they had going into last season where this team could compete, and if all breaks well, all goes well, they could be a playoff team. Now, obviously, that did not pan out in 2015, and it really did not pan out in 2016. That was the expectation at the start of the year. You thought you had a team that could make some noise. And look, I think the Jets went into last season knowing, and certainly went into 2015 knowing that 
they were in the middle of a rebuild. They were trying to they're trying to build for the future by adding young pieces who can contribute over the over the long term. But they were still trying to they were still trying to field a competitive roster. Nothing wrong with that. This year it's going to be more difficult because this year really to field a competitive roster to make the type of moves that you're going to need to make, you're going to have to sell some of the future. And that just doesn't make sense because even if the Jets put a competitive roster on the field, they're just they just don't have the resources and they're not going to be the pieces available to turn this into a, a team that can legitimately make a run. At best, you're a team that's competing in that 9-10 to 10 win range and you're kind of hoping you're the team that gets hot at the right time. And look, it's possible, but it's not the type of thing I'm willing to sell out the future to get because the odds of success, while they're not non-existent, they're too low for, for you to be willing to take that chance. So we had some other quarterbacks suggested. You know, I mentioned that a guy I might be open to at the right price, the right place being very low is Chase Daniel because he doesn't have a track record. So maybe it's a case where he's sat for a while and can actually give you credible quarterback play. And even if he's not your long-term starter, well, maybe he's the type of guy who can be a bridge to the future, give you a decent play, maybe be this year's Tyrod Taylor. Taylor spent many years at Baltimore backup, went up to Buffalo. And look, Taylor's not a great quarterback, and I think a lot, he's, a lot of people overrate what he does. But at the end of the day, he's a credible quarterback in a league where a credible quarterback's a pretty nice commodity to have. And he's certainly the best quarterback the Bills have had in a long time. And I think if you got the Tyrod Taylor level of quarterback play with the Jets, that's something because you've, if you've watched this team for long enough, you know that this team has not gotten very good quarterback play. So, you know, your options are a guy like Cutler who's a decent bridge if you have, what were they saying a couple of years ago? If you want a guy who's not going to crash the Ferrari where you feel like you have a decent roster, you also want to avoid a Josh McCown who is in the league because uh, I don't know why he's still in the league. He's just not that good. And how he keeps getting these jobs, and there are lots of guys like that in the league. So some people brought up some other names. Uh, One person uh, left us a comment saying, you had a chance to mention Colin Kaepernick, who should have a lower price tag, is good, and is looking at possible backup roles. We also also talk about Chase Daniels without mentioning the contract the Jets missed Nick Foles for. And then there was another comment that mentioned another uh, quarterback who is kind of a big name. And the uh, comment was about Robert Griffin III, who, once again, will likely be available. You know, likely be, not not likely be available, but in the market for a job. And it, it, there were rumors around RG3. Any chance this could happen? If so, would this be a good fit? And I, I jokingly say that I'm, I'm not making fun of you guys who who said this i'm just playing around good natured stuff but this was this sounds like quarterbacks who were good five years ago palooza um i would strongly disagree if you say kaepernick's a good quarterback i think kaepernick was the type of guy who was really promising at the start of his career brought a unique skill set and then once the league kind of figured out how to deal with him never grew as a passer and i don't see it in him Foles was a guy who had one big year in 2013 so maybe Maybe he doesn't fit into the quarterbacks who were good five years ago, Palooza. He was a quarterback who was good four years ago. And RG3, I'll tell you, I was one of the biggest RG3 fans there was when he was at Baylor. I thought he was going to be great, and I was I totally bought in after that rookie year. I think with RG3, though, we'll always wonder what would have happened in that playoff game if he had not gotten hurt, if, the, if Washington had been a little smarter around him. 
Um, and, you know, a lot of people blame Mike Shanahan. And look, Shanahan's got to take some heat because at the end of the day, he had him out there. And you could tell watching. I remember that, that wild card game in 2012, 2013 playoffs. You could tell he was not himself. And he wasn't helping the team. And when he was at that state, he really – Washington was – better off playing Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins gave them a better chance to win, but there's a lot of blame to go around. Um, the doctor before the game was making comments to the media about how nervous he was. At the end of the day, though, it comes, I think, in a situation like that, it comes down to the owner. An owner has to be smart enough knowing how much you invested in this guy. You traded multiple first-round picks to get him. He's your future. He was spectacular that year. At some point, the owner has to say, you know what? We're not going to be short-sighted. We're shutting him down. This guy's future is too important to us. We'll start Kirk Cousins in this game. They didn't do that. And he's never really been the same since. And I don't know. Maybe he would have gotten hurt. Um, you know, He's struggled to stay healthy, really. And he's never really been the same explosive type player. And it's just really sad because it's just, you think about what his potential looked like that rookie year 2012, but just hasn't panned out for him. And the same thing you could really say for Kaepernick after 2012, 2013, and Nick Foles in 2013. And I think what happens is you get caught up, you get really excited about a young player early in his career, and you think that his future is bright, and then sometimes things don't always go as we expect and we kind of keep hoping that things will turn around but at some point you're four and five years later and it still hasn't happened and at that point you kind of look at it and you say you know what if it was going to happen it probably would have happened by now and if this guy this guy looks special at the start of his career but you know what maybe for whatever reason it's just not gonna it's just not coming together for him the way we hoped. And that's the way I look at those. It's funny. These three guys got mentioned, but I view all these three guys very similarly where they looked like, they looked like they could be special at the start of their careers, but you know, we're, we're really long removed from that. And at some point they stop being that and they start being the guy that they've been the last, you know, three, four years, which is nothing too special. So I don't think those are guys that really make sense. I think all three of them fit more. into. I don't want to say they fit into the McCown mold, but I think that they are guys who I'm not going to say they fit, the reason I'm going to say they don't fit into the McCown mold is that they've actually had some success in the league, whereas McCown really had one stretch in 2013, which was really not even that great. But ultimately, these guys are just not people I view as credible options who can be that short medium term answer for the Jets at quarterback or certainly a long term guy because it's just been year after year and it's not we're not at the point where it's just one bad year or two bad years these guys just are not special anymore maybe yeah that's just that's just the way it goes and I think again where the Jets are at and the Jets are some people say the Jets are at the beginning stages of a rebuild, which is true to some extent. And there's a lot of criticism about what the Jets have done over the last few years because they spent big in free agency in 2015. A lot of people question that strategy. Well, you know, I don't think that's fit. I think I think the issue was the players that they got and the players the players that they signed have not panned out for the most part. With a few exceptions, James Carpenter comes to mind. But most of those guys have not panned out. And the players that they've drafted – Look, time to turn it around. But that 2015 class is not looking great right now. The 2016 class, we don't really know what you have in those guys. Um, you want to be optimistic, but the truth is, I mean, for guys who played a little bit near the end of the year, you can't really buy that much into that. We'll find out more about these guys. But ultimately, 
the Jets were rebuilding in 2015. They were trying to bring in pieces who would fit and be around for a couple of years. The fact that they've cut, the fact that these guys have either been cut or they look overpaid or they look like, you know, guys who should be gone. That's the problem. That's that's the reason you're back at square one because these moves haven't panned out. If you had free agent moves that looked that looked a little better, that you know, guys were earning their keep like a carpenter, and you had a draft class that was looking better, this rebuild would already be well underway. The fact that the fact that we're back at this spot shows that the current regime has kind of failed in that in that sense. This isn't this isn't the case where they forsook the future by trying to sign guys in 2015. We know that's not true because they're, they've cut a lot of these guys and they've created a cap space. The issue is that they've made the wrong choices. And that's I think that's an important thing to remember. And now, you, and now you're back at this point. You're essentially, you're not starting at square one. You're back at square one because you've made the wrong choices. You, you've made bad personnel decisions. And now you're at a point where you're probably heading for a very lean year and it's on, you know, it's not a good thing, but it's where you're at. And I don't think you want to throw bad money after good, because if you go all in this year, then you will be setting yourself back for the future. And that's where a guy like Cutler doesn't make sense. It's where a guy like McCown or Foles or Kaepernick or RG3, I just don't see them making sense because you're just throwing, throwing money for a guy, you know, probably really can't play. And a guy who's really just going to eat up cap space that you can use in the future, because remember, you can carry over unused cap space. So that'll, those are my thoughts for the day. And thanks again for listening, everybody. And thanks for your feedback. I appreciate it. Even if I disagree with you, I certainly appreciate where you're coming from. I think, as I say many times, you may disagree with me at times. And there are going to be plenty of times where you're right. I know that I don't have all the answers. So you may like a guy and... I may be disagreeing with you. You may be, end up being right. This, I'm just giving you my thoughts. And I'll give you my thoughts for the uh, tomorrow. This has been the Locked on Jets podcast. I am John B. with uh, gangreennation.com. Subscribe to this show and give it good ratings on either iTunes or Audio Boom. Certainly would appreciate it. Until next time, take care, everybody. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.